0: So 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to look at the first 10 verses, did, uh, we're going to break it apart, um, <clears throat> I want you to notice some things as we're reading this, who it says you are now, not, like, not in the present or future tense, like one day soon, um, but this is, he's saying now this is established, right? You're not waiting to get there. This is who you are on the earth. Um, Brent just kind of prayed that. Uh, even at the beginning, Brent, when he prayed something at the very beginning of the service, um, I just felt a shift in the room, uh, almost like a breeze blowing in the room. Whenever he proclaimed over you this week, you're going to be able to declare the goodness of God this week. Um, so there are some prophetic things in that. Um, and so we just want to engage in that thought of what he said. Um, and so I'm just gonna go in that motion this morning. Um, but first Peter chapter 2, verse one starts like this. So abandon every form of evil deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy, and slander in the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must. Notice that word, must, intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. Let that just soak in for a minute. Intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. For this milk, this milk that he's talking about, will cause you... It's going to... How do we do these things, right? We read the words sometimes, we're like, man, I wish I could get there. I wish I I'm not there yet, but I wish I could get there. He says it is a growth. And how do you want to cause that growth? In other words, how do you water it? How do you put sunlight on it? How do you put fertilizer on it? How do you get it to grow? This is how it grows. That pure spiritual milk is how it's gonna grow. You got to crave it. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. Why do you need to be strong for life? If you're a Christian, I thought everything goes easy from then on. (laughs) Right? That's what we think sometimes. It doesn't mean the absence of problems, but now you are fit for those problems. Right? He's saying these problems, you are strong for life. Especially now, he says, that you have had a taste. I love this part. Now that you have had a taste of the goodness of Yahweh and have experienced... His kindness. What does the psalmist say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. It is a physical taste, which means there is an experience that happens. It is not just the fact that you can read or sit in church or or have a little Bible devotion every, every morning. It is saying it is an experience that you have with the living God. So that taste is an experience that you have with Him in intimacy, right? Behind closed doors. Sometimes out and open. But usually, what happens out and open is because what you've been doing inside closed doors. Right? There's a look that my wife can give me, and it didn't happen just because we learned how to deal with each other in public, right? She can give me a look, right? During that song service a while ago, she wasn't picking up that mic. I looked at her, I was like, I ain't saying nothing about no mic. But she picked that thing up. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, kids in the room. Uh, so, there is an in tune that happens behind closed doors. So that when you're in public, it will come out. So there is a tasting and a seeing. That see is a spiritual lens that he has given you to see him clearly, right? It says when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed and he can see him, right? So this taste and this see of his goodness, right? This... This goes right along what we've been talking about over the last few months. Remember Moses? He said, I want to see your glory. He said, I'll show you my goodness, right? Goodness and glory go hand in hand. And so he says, now that you have tasted the goodness of Yahweh and have experienced His kindness, right? So since you have experienced that, you should be living something out, right? That should have drawn you in to this spiritual milk to live by daily, right? Those experiences may not happen all day long in intimacy with him, right? But those connections with him, those intimate times that you have with him, opens the door for you to crave him more and seek him more, right? So keep coming to him, he says. Don't let that be a one-time experience that you had with him. Keep coming. Just keep on like that's a that verb there is a continuation, meaning it never stops. Okay? So keep coming to him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected, discarded by men, chosen by God, and priceless in God's sight, come and be his living stones. Who are that same verb uses? Continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. Where does he dwell? In his sanctuary. Where is his sanctuary now? Not made with human hands, but in you. For now you serve as holy priests. This is your job. Offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. For it says in Scripture, Look, I lay a cornerstone in Zion. Where are we now? In Zion. A chosen and priceless stone. And whoever believes in him will certainly not be disappointed. As believers, you know his great worth. Indeed, his preciousness is imparted to you. So you did not have to earn it. There's a gift. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected and discarded has now become the cornerstone, a stone that makes them stumble and a rock to trip over. They keep stumbling over the message... What is the message? The message of grace. Because they refused to believe it. Remember, the kingdom is a kingdom of believe and receive, not a kingdom of earn. Right? And he says, They refused to believe it, and this they were destined to do, but you are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are, again, he's telling you, you are what? Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation, doing what? Set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness. Remember Isaiah 60 we looked at a couple weeks ago. There is gloom and darkness all over the entire world. But behold, you have seen a great light. When that light comes upon you, now you are that city on a hill. Remember that? And he says, he brought you out of darkness to experience. Again, it is an experience, not just head knowledge. His marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast. Why did he do all this for you? There was a reason he did it. Why? So that you would display. You would broadcast. You would be on all the billboards, right? When people pass by, you are a testimony of God's goodness, right? You just sang it. All my life you have been faithful, right? We're singing that song, but are we living that song? If He is good, are we declaring, does everybody know in our lives, despite circumstances that come and go, that does not seem like we want to go through them, can the world still look at us and say, wow, God is good to Him? It doesn't mean everything goes perfect. But it means when you pass through the fire, there is one with you passing with you, and everybody is evident that He is good to you. Okay? He did this so you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time one time that's a long time ago. At one time you were just a heathen. At one time you was a poor pitiful sinner. At one time Yeah, that was a long time ago. That's your old life, right? Galatians two twenty, you've been co crucified. You dead now. And rose to a new life. You were not God's people, but now you are. When? Right now. Not one day. Now. At one time, you knew nothing of God's mercy, but because you hadn't received it yet. But now, what happened? You are drenched with it. Woo! <laughs> good. Good, my man. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what does this passage say about God? and? It- if we'll ever get that through our minds, that all right. So, what's a priest look like? Well, Jesus was the high priest. That's what it looks like. Well, what's a king look like? He's the king of kings, so that's what it looks like. Right. You know what I mean, that's right. <laughs> so he's our example in there, and he's telling you, I made you. I made that where y'all are going. That's right. And so I've left you the example. Operating as a priest, I mean, on behalf of other people. And a king, that's right. On behalf of other people, and just that's right. So, um, as Holy Spirit just speaks through Brent, and let's be on the same pace as it, what I'm going to talk about today is looking at we are called to be priests. What is our job? Who we look at? What is our example? It was Jesus, right? So that's what we're going to look at. Thanks for the introduction, Brent. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> Skip that. But point. one of the definitions for priesthood says they represented people before God. They were an intercessor. I just got your message by now. No, you, you didn't. Y'all <laughs> <No>, wish. <we, laughs> I tried, guys. If you, you haven't been reading your Bible reading it with us, uh, it's a joy. Uh, but this past week, Paul was preaching. He went on through the night preaching. And then one of the little boys fell out the window because he got so sleepy. He fell out, died. Paul stops preaching, goes down, raises him back to life, makes sure he's good, and then goes back in and keeps preaching. Like most of us say, yeah, that's probably good. We probably should stop now that somebody died. And that's what I said on there. Y'all think I'm wrong with So we, got, we make sure our windows closed. That's right. <laughs> But the said Paul was rambling on and on. On and on. (laughs) He had some good stories to tell (laughs) though. So one of the things that priests did was they represented people before God. That's what Jesus does for us. He is the great intercessor. He is representing us before God. That's why we can go to the high place all the time, right? We can go to God. With confidence and boldness because he is our high priest, right? So priests represent that. Priest also was the ones that stood in the gap, okay? So we're, a lot of times in the Old Testament you read it, they're standing in the gap for the people. Like in a place of obvious breakdown of sin, um, darkness, gloom. They're standing in the gap for those people and praying for mercy for them, Okay? So I want to give you a couple examples. So let's look up a couple of passages. Who wants Ezekiel 22:30? All right, Matthew 11, 20 through 24 got it. Um John 10:37-38. John 5:43. Um John 10:25. We'll just let Alex stay where he's at and you can just go down to that verse. John 1:12. All right, and Madison also get After that, I'm going to go to John 1.1 and then John 1.14. So I'll just kind of stay in chapter 1 and I'll tell you the verse as we get to it. John 5.24 and John 14.23-24. We're going to be in John a lot. Alright, so those passages in John we'll get to in a little while. Right now, focus on Ezekiel 22.30 and Matthew 11. All right, so Ezekiel 22.30 gives you an example of the intercessing that should be taking place between God and the people. Okay, so read that. I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so that I would not have to destroy them, but I found no one. I look for someone to do what? Stand Stand in the gap so that they would not be destroyed, and I could find what? No, no one. Thank God we have Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? He stood in the gap for all mankind. Right? But now, this verse in 1 Peter chapter 2 says, you are a priest as well. So if he stood in the gap for mankind, shouldn't we just be done with this? It's finished. It's finished, right? Stand in that. But we have a job to do. There are people on this earth that still do not know what He has done for them. They have not tasted and they have not seen the goodness of God. So as priests, we stand in the gap that they may see the goodness of God. So one of the ways we can do that is, of course, prayer. But one of the other ways is declaring His goodness, right? Living out His goodness, right? Right? Um, and so we also have a part in this to play, right? And we'll see that in just a minute. If, it, if he says it is finished and he's standing in the gap, shouldn't we just be done and just sit back and whatever is going to happen, right? Like Andrew Womack, he says, sera, sera. He says it all the time, right? We just sit back and just, whatever will be, whatever will, be will be, right? Um, and some people do have that attitude. But we have a job to do. We have a responsibility to do. We just saw in this verse in 1 Peter, he says, why did he do this? Why did he make you priests? Why did he make you kings? Why did he set you apart? Why? So that you would broadcast this goodness. Right? He says twice in this one little passage in these ten verses that you are priests. Twice he talks about you being the priest. Right? So one of the things we should be doing is standing in the gap. Okay? And I want us to look at a couple of things. One is Matthew 11, 20-24. Because there is a lot of misunderstanding with this. It kind of goes along with what we talked about last week with the discipline of God. Remember they came out and um, they were, he sent them out and they come back with all these stories. And he's like, no, nah, let me correct you real quick. No, nah, let me correct you real quick. <laughs> no, let me correct you real quick. Right? Then after he corrects them so many times, then they're like, Hey, they, ain't, they don't want you in there, Jesus. Let's just call fire down. Let's kill them all. And he says, you don't know what spirit you are, right? Now, they could have used Ezekiel right here, right? Didn't that verse just say, somebody's standing in the gap, and if they won't, they'll be destroyed, right? They could have used that same verse and said, but I thought that's what you wanted to do, right? And so they, he says, they didn't even know what spirit they were from. So let's get some clarification. What our responsibility is in New Testament? What is our role? So Matthew eleven twenty through twenty four. Tyree and you will be better off on Judgment Day than you. Hmm. In Capernaum, you do. Do you really think you'll be exalted because of the great miracles I have done there? No, you'll be brought down to the depths of hell because of your rejection of me. For if the miracles I worked in your streets were done in Sodom, it would still be standing today. Mm. But I tell but I tell you, it will be more bearable for the region of Sodom in the day of judgment than it will be for you. Hmm. So what does he say? He said if Sodom, in Old Testament, remember Sodom? Sodom and Gomorrah? He's talking about Sodom. And he says, if they would have got to experience the miracles that I just did in your town. In your cities, they would still be standing today. So what's he trying to say? Is there a way for sin-filled cities to come to him? Is there a way? Did he just say it? Didn't he just give the example of how they would be saved today? What did Jesus do going through that city? He showed them the what? The goodness of the Father. Right? Proclaiming the Father. Proclaiming the good news. Healing the sick. Raising the dead. Right? Right? So he's doing all those things in that city. And he says, if Sodom would have had that same opportunity that you had, bro, they would still be standing today, right? So you have an opportunity saying today, what should New Testament believers do? Should they be going around saying, let's call fire down, like his disciples did, we looked at last week. Or, like He did at Sodom, shall we be calling fire down from heaven? Or shall we be wishing hurricanes on cities? Shall we be wishing earthquakes on cities? Shall we be saying those things are of God because He is going to destroy them all? Is that what He said that you're supposed to be doing? Did He say, when you see those things happen, know that I did it? And in fact, He says, you don't know what spirit you're of is that what you're thinking. Right? So if we're priests and we got to stand in the gap so often, what you hear in Christian circles is this. Bring them to their knees. <laughs> do this, right? God, judgment be on them. Cause a hurricane to happen. Whatever it is, right? Because they need to be judged. I'm good, they're bad. Is that having mercy, right? Jesus says, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they do standing in the gap. That's what it looks like. That's what the priest looked like. That's what the high priest looked like was Jesus. Standing in the gap to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Have mercy on them. So as a person, if we're priests, says twice, you are priests in this world. This is your job as a priest. What should you be doing? Offering what? Mercy. Right? Mercy towards them. Right? Right? but also proclaiming mercy to them, right? Because he was not just going around doing some miracles just to be seen and showing off his powers and his skills. He was doing it, said, move with compassion. So it was out of love for these people that he wanted them to come to him to see that, hey, I'm not here to smack you down. I'm here to take you in and call you into something new, right? Don't you see that all throughout Scripture? What about um, the blind man? Remember the blind man? And whenever Jesus heals him, he takes his cloak, right? It was was the uh, beggar's cloak, remember? The beggar's garment. The beggar's garment was given to people by priests who certified them to say, this person is a certified person that needs aid in this community. So he is worthy of alms. So if they're sitting out there asking for money and he's got that cloak on, meaning the priest has already certified him, then you can go ahead and give him money, right? We probably wish that still went on today because you see all these people and you're like, should I help them? Should I not? Right? But that was their way in the community of saying this person really is blind. He really does need some help. You can help him, right? Jesus didn't walk up to him and give him a cloak. He took the cloak from him and they threw it to the side because he no longer needed it. Embracing the Father. This is what he's saying. So priests in Old Covenant would do what? Give them that to say, hey, he's blind. Help the brother out, right? not a bad thing. It's just not all of the kingdom. You hear what I'm saying? He wanted to free the man. Not just give him something for the moment. He wanted to free him for life. That's what the new covenant does. Right? That's what, the, what we should be doing when we're looking around wherever we go as priests. That's what we should be doing. Not just to aid that person in the moment, but to set them free for life. That's what he's calling us to, right? What about um, the woman called an adultery? What the old law and covenant say? She should be what? Stoned to death. After Jesus bends down, right down, saying, looks up, says, He who is sinned cast the first stone. They all start dropping After him. Right? He still draws whatever he's drawing. Looks up. Woman, where are your accusers? There are none, Lord. Neither do I. Condemn you. Go and sin no more. Remember last week, the discipline of God is by the word of God. He released her by His word. Go, sin no more. You are free. You're free. Right? Law, old school law, priests would do What? She's worthy to be dead. Jesus representing the father has a father-daughter moment all of a sudden and says, I've never left you. And let's free you of this. Right? That's what he does. Right? What about um, Jesus with all the children? What do they start doing? Jesus don't need to be occupied with them kids. They got them little clicking toys down there and they get on everybody's (laughs) nerve. Right? Can you imagine what they were doing? Can you imagine those little kids just everywhere? We're talking about like thousands of people, right? Kids just running around everywhere. You know they didn't watch them good because Mary lost Jesus. (laughs) They wild. They wild, boss. They wild. So you know they wild little heathen running around. And it's like, don't let them get near Jesus. He ain't got time to fool with that. Right? That's his disciples. That is that nature, right? That religious nature. And what did Jesus say? Do not hinder them from coming to me. In fact, then he points out, if you don't come to me like they come to me, you can't enter in either. Ooh, you talk about a discipline of the word. Right? <laughs> Cut them down real quick. Right? And so what Jesus does is free people because He wants you to be free for life. Right? He does that. He's not just trying to aid this and aid that and whip you real quick. He's wanting to free you forever. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm trying to say that Jesus was doing here? Alright, so let's look at John 17. And I'm going to point out a couple of scriptures. Look at verse 4 first. <clears throat> Verse 4. These things that we're about to look at, we're going to look at four different verses in this prayer. We talk about John 17 a lot. We're going to point out four different things that Jesus says, this is what I did while I was here. All right? This is what I accomplished while I was here. Verse 4. All right? I have glorified you on the earth by faithfully doing everything you told me to do. So what did he do? Yeah, he glorified the Father by doing what? Being obedient, right? That's what he did. He glorified the Father by being obedient to the Father, right? So he brought him glory. He manifested him. I think some of your versions might say. Some of your versions might say he manifested him, right? You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus, in other words, right? So he manifested the presence of the Father here on the earth, right? By doing whatever he told him to do. That's, that's what he's declaring that he did. Alright? So let's break that apart. John 10, 37-38. Who had that one? Alright? Says so If I'm not doing the beautiful works that my Father sent me to do, then don't believe me. But if you see me doing the beautiful works of God on earth, then you should at least believe the evidence of the miracle, even if you don't believe my words. Then you will come to experience me and be convinced that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Believe me because what? Because. what You've seen me doing what? What my Father told me to do. right? You saw me doing these works. You saw me doing the works of my Father. So therefore you should what? Believe me. Right? So you should believe because you see the works that I'm doing. I didn't do anything unless he told me to do it. Right? That's what he declares. So whenever Jesus was on this earth, what as a priest did he do? He listened to what? Papa. And whatever Papa said to do, that's what he did. That's how he glorified Alright? Next thing Jesus says that he did, verse 6. Father... I have manifested, that's the word, manifested, who you really are. And I have revealed you to the men and women that you gave to me. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have fastened your word firmly to their hearts. So, I made you known. I made you known to everyone here, right? I revealed you and they have fastened your word to their hearts, all right? So, let's break this one down. John five forty three. I have to represent my father. you faith. Someone comes own name and I came to show you the father, but some of you not accepting that, right? If you want to know what the father's like, look at me. I came to reveal that to you, and I did reveal that to you. And the ones who received that are the ones that received me, and they're the ones that received my father, right? Um, John ten twenty five. so that's back to Alex you want proof look what I did you want proof look what I'm doing you want proof look at what I've done <laughs> right you want that proof look all you got to do is open your eyes some of you are so blind that you're closing it off Do people still do that today? Yes. Continue to reject when there's obvious things that go on. I guarantee you there are some people that I would tell what that miracle happened to my neighbor this week. And I guarantee you they'll say, Well, that was because them people down there don't know how to look at x-rays and they had it wrong. Or the girl that was healed of the tumor of the heart. They'll say, Well, that must have been a shadow the first time. If people want to reject truth, they are God gave him self will to be able to reject the truth. Right? So it is a belief. It is a receiving, right? <laughs> Being open to that. John 1 12. But those who embrace him and took hold of his name are given authority to, be to become children of God. Whoo, so he said, You won't believe? Look. Right? I gave you all the proof you need to believe. Right? But there's so many that still just not believe. Right? There's so many still not believe. And he says, the ones who believe, though, have been given the rights to become what? Children of God. So why did he come declaring the works of the Father? He's getting this orphan planet back in line with its father, <laughs> right? He showed you all this stuff for that one reason—to be back in intimacy with Papa, with all three of us, right? Um John 1 1 yeah, now. In the very beginning, the living expression was already there, and the living expression was with God, yet fully God. Ooh, so from the very beginning. They're face to face, props, face to face, that word there. And they were not only with each other, they were exact mirror images of one another. From the very beginning. Alright? Then verse 14. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. And we gazed upon the splendor of his glory and the glory of the one and only who came from the Father overflowing with tender mercy and truth. So that living expression, that face-to-face mirror came down and gave us exact expression, a living expression. That word means that exact replica. He showed us in bodily form what Papa is like. So he took that mirror image and boom showed us exactly what it was like. So that we could believe. So that we could believe and know who he really is, right? John 5.24. I assure you, those who listen to my message and believe that God who sent me an eternal life, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they've already passed from death into life. So those who are going to believe what I've done and who I am. They will live forever. Right? Where immortality, where um, mortal bodies take on immortality, right? Paul says. Alright? John 14, 23 through 24. The one who Comfort you and make you our dwelling place. But those who don't love me will not obey my words. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my father. Mm. So there's so much in that passage. One, he's talking to Judas, and notice that he's telling him, The ones who obey me, the ones who love me are the ones who are obeying me, right? Loving me opens that door for you to experience that, right? Loving me and Judas. We know we see what he did. Loving me opens that door. Judas is asking the question, why don't everybody get to see you? Well, loving me opens that veil. Remember, the one who turned to the Lord, the veil is removed and sees him. Right? So as you love him and turn to him, you begin to open to him, which makes you automatically enables you to obey the word. Right? Um, and so he's taking you deeper into that. But then he says, if you've rejected me, you've rejected my father. You reject your father, you reject me. All right? He takes it hand in hand. I've shown you all this completely so that you may believe. <laughs> like I've gave you all this evidence. So you have no way to say, nope, not for me. All right? Last thing Jesus says in this prayer that he did while he was here on this earth is in verse 26. Look at verse 26. Verse 26, he says... Uh, I have revealed to them who you are and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same notice the same that means the same as Jesus did in this love that you have for me for your love will now live in them even as I live in them he says i will continue some of your past, some of your verses may say make your name known whenever you're talking about name it is not just a magic potion or formula of that name he is saying i'm revealing who your true nature is right like i'm coming in your name I'm coming in your in your being this is who you are right so i'm presenting all that you are and so he says in that right i have already revealed all of this to them and i will continue that means it'll never stop even whenever we go and are face to face in heaven one day when we die it's still going to be a continual revelation Mm -hmm. continuing what to make the father known to us right so we're only scratching the surface there's so much more to get to (laughs) right so if we ever get plateau and think well we've hit the mark Mm mm-mm he said, continue it. Remember the same verses of 1 Peter, two times, continuously. He's using that word. Same thing here, Jesus is using John 17. I will continue to make you known to them. All right? So, now looking at what Jesus did, all right? We looked a couple weeks ago and it says, Jesus came to reveal who the Father really is, right? We looked at several of those passages. Remember, we looked at Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to uh, bring life. Jesus came, um, you know, to not condemn the world, but to save the world. We looked at several scriptures, right? But then we looked at all those things, and Jesus completely says that all those things are to do what? Reveal the Father, right? I want you to know my Father. Like, he's that good. And y'all don't know it because y'all don't know he's that good. Right? And so I want you to know how good he is, right? So in all that that he did, he wanted to reveal the Father to them. So if we are priests, getting back to our first Peter passage, if we are priests, right, and we are standing in the gap, and Jesus was the model, he is our high priest, what should we be doing with people here on the earth then? Okay, interceding for them. What else? Setting them free. No. Loving. Telling of his goodness. And those are all things that we should be doing. Now let me turn the question to why. Why should we be doing it? If he said it is finished and he's already standing in the gap for us, why should we do it? What? Glorify Him? What else? So they'll believe. What else? To me it's medicine for your own soul. Oh, that's good. And all those are true. Just like all those scriptures were true about Jesus. But what was the ultimate thing that Jesus said? Reveal the Father. So what's the ultimate thing for you? You want people to know what Papa's really like. We are not we are not just doing it to be good. Remember Wednesday night, guys. Remember in our Abba Foundation book, all those things that we do. Why does He heal? Because He's good. Revealing the Father. Like all those questions, all those answers y'all gave were hundred percent correct. But what do all of them point to? To reveal how good Papa really is. Now let's finish with this verse, John. Everybody look at this one. I want everybody to get this one. John 20. John 20, now Jesus buried, rose again, and now he's talking to them after the resurrection. okay? So this is for all of us. This is after the resurrection. This is kind of, hey guys, some last words here for you. What does he say? In verse 21, Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you, and he told them, Just as the Father sent me, I am now sending you. How is he sending How did the Father send him? To do what? Reveal the Father. You can't reveal the Father if you're showing people that. You can't reveal the Father if you are not setting them free. Right? And you can do signs, wonders, and miracles and you cannot show them the Father through those things if you're not doing it out of compassion and love. Because every one of those, Jesus says, and He was full of compassion and then did it. He looked at them, He says, as if a hen... As if, if the mother hen and they all them little chicks is lost, right? He said, "I, we've been wanting to gather you guys for a long time. Put you right here. Why not you think so close to the chest? So you can hear the heartbeat. Know his heart. Right? I want you to know him. not know about him. I want you to know him. Right? To draw in. So that you, First Peter that we read today, broadcast this wonderful love. Let's pray. God, you're so good. Ooh, you're so good. You have showed out this week. Just reminding us who you are and whose we are. God, we want to display your goodness everywhere we go. Help us not to be shy about it. Help us to have strength and have courage. Most of all, as we read today, help us to crave that spiritual milk because that is where it says we will grow. So living off your word. As Bill's already mentioned, not just reading our word, but also after that living Logos word that you give us. Daily, daily abide. Daily inside you and you in us. Connected to the vine. Just as manna from heaven, you're giving a word for that day to live upon. And help us not live on the old manna. The old manna was never designed to nourish us for today. But to have that fresh word today. So I just release in the room a hearts, hearts be open, hearts receive, hearts be full of good soul, and hearts receive the Word of God today, that He is good, and His love endures forever, that you have made, you have been made brand new. You are priests, and you are kings, and you are a holy nation. You are set apart, and you are a sanctuary of the living God who lives and breathes in you. And you have been set free from all bondage. You have been set free from all sin, all captivity, all darkness. For behold, a bright light shines within you and upon you. And as Paul says you are a mirror looking in as a mirror reflecting the glory of the father here on this earth You shine in dark places You are not afraid for perfect love cast out all fear for perfect love to cast out all fear, you know who you are. He's taken your sin consciousness and taken it and removed it. And now made you conscious as a son and a daughter of the King. You have been set apart for such a time as this to rise up, rise up, rise up, shine for your light has come and the nations will be drawn to you because of your great light that is shining in the dark places. The earth is groaning, the earth is in turmoil. I believe and I declare to you that situations are going to start turning around because you are taking your place. People inside your circle are going to have things start come together for them. They don't even know why, but it's because you are being obedient to the word. And you are rising up and taking your place. Even land that is around you, trees are being restored, um, crops are being restored. Nature is waking up because you are taking your place. For God's desire is to heal you and to heal this land. Receive. Receive today. Receive. Water it. Grow it set a heart, set our hearts ablaze, Father. Listen to space, what you want, how I want. Just sing that chorus out. Just be in this presence right now. feel, it's my heart. What you wanted all along Not a building Not a building you want to It's my heart Come on This empty space that into space. Just turn your heart to him. The veil is removed. See clearly. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Take one deep breath in. Slowly release out. I say that because when we do that, we're not concentrating on anything else. We're just centering ourselves where He is. This time when you take a deep breath, believe and receive that you are breathing in His very breath. him out, and we breathe him out. Father, be glorified through us